Hey guys, welcome to the MOV podcast that is Mad Over Videos by Gutch. Uh, this is episode number 15 and uh, today's episode we have a guest uh, from Exactly Cop. Uh, again, uh, Kimberly is a senior product man- marketing manager at Exactly and uh, she also uh, runs her own uh side hustle called kids swag again uh, i mean very interesting uh, background uh, that she has and and today uh, i mean what i find interesting is because of my own background in incentive compensation uh, during one of my previous roles uh, i think i'm going to be certainly enjoying the conversation with kimberly so i don't want to waste a lot of time because we might fall short of it as the conversation might uh, uh, progress i would like to add uh, uh, her to the stream and i would like everybody to welcome kimberly to the podcast uh, hi kimberly how are you i'm doing well thank you so much for having me absolute pleasure to have you thank you for taking time out and agreeing to do this at a, such a short, short notice i think we just reached out to you a couple of days back and you said yes so brilliant thank you so much Yeah, no problem. I I'm sort of a big proponent of if somebody asks if you're available say yes. You never know what that might lead to. So it's a, a great mantra to have. Absolutely. I I swear by it and and uh, I'm I'm really happy that you could make it. Uh, so I don't want to waste a lot of time uh, in uh, this. I quickly would like to get an intro uh, about your background. A couple of lines uh, of uh, how and what has led you to uh, the work that you're doing right now at exactly and and how do, how has your career progressed i love that you said a couple of lines <laughs> it's like try to summarize uh 20 years uh, of life um in in a couple of lines but i can do that um i really got into product marketing through discovery that same idea of saying yes and so i was working in the uh market research intelligence side of things i started meeting with a lot of different marketers at that point i didn't think i was necessarily a marketer i just was really good at understanding analytics and managing data platforms and when i spoke to a few people they're like well what you're doing because i would then turn that into to different types of reports and if we're talking about content i would create video content etc based on those insights they're like well what you're doing is marketing and i was like oh is it really because i i always felt like marketing was more just like flashy fun stuff and so i love product marketing and and i came into it because a big chunk of product marketing is actually understanding your audience it's knowing what types of uh, factors are happening in the economy that are impacting people's decision making it's taking a number of different types of information so and putting it together that's sort of bite-sized and easy for people to understand. And so then I uh, naturally navigated to product marketing and it's nice the industry received me and the companies that I've worked at have been fantastic in the experiences uh, that I've had and that's really how I got here. Absolutely. I think uh, like you said it's very hard to summarize this into uh, two lines and then you did an absolutely amazing job at it because uh, often than not i i i don't think so uh, uh like like i think i think the resume again is is not enough to put out everything that you uh, learned and and you practiced in in the two decades of experience that you have uh this definitely i think uh, was i think a great job first of all thank you so much for 
not uh, like I I, th- I think we saved a lot of time, but then I think we got exactly uh, what makes you a great product marketer. I think uh, the mindset that you just spoke about uh, and and how the industry just uh, absorbed uh, whatever you had to bring to the table, and and it was such a smooth transition from your earlier roles to what you're doing right now. Uh, and and I want to just like start off directly with uh, your first uh, major vertical where you actually talk about uh, on your LinkedIn profile. Uh, that is integrated marketing campaigns. Uh, so I, I want to talk about how, how product marketing is uh, something that sits in between uh, demand gen teams and the product teams. Understanding of both of which is very important for a product marketer. Uh, for for doing well in their role, uh, why don't you tell me what goes uh, like? What what's the typical uh, ask from a product marketer when it comes to understanding uh, the requirements of uh, like the demand gen teams and the product teams and en- ensuring that the communication that you put out is consistent with both. No, for sure. I think that's uh, the core aspect of a product marketer. And I almost view it as being a translator where there you have this product team, you have your product manager that's really well versed in everything technology wise and all the different um, release notes that they pull together, all these different types of ways that they're trying to guide the engineering team to get to a particular milestone. And they're so excited and happy with this baby that they built and the technical features of this baby but don't necessarily know how to then translate that, that language in terms of like, why would a customer be interested in this? And then you look at demand gen, they also have technical expertise, but it's now in terms of marketing technology. So they know how to program and leverage things like LinkedIn and your ads, et cetera, but they need to be fed with that information and they're not ready to translate that completely. And so you need that person in the middle that's saying, you know what, I'm going to be this interface to make sure that we not only speak to all the technical aspects and figure out what are the right channels to and audiences to highlight the technical aspects of this, but then we also have to think about what are the other ways that we appeal to emotion? What are the ways that we're going to capture attention? That's really what your demand gen marketer is looking for. And so you want to make sure that you're supplying them with the right content, with the right story, with the right angle, the audience they need to go after to be able to do their job effectively. And so that's really what it is. You're this translator really saying, I fully understand everything we're trying to do as a company, but I also understand what the market is looking for and the market needs to be stated in a certain way for them to even want to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Going by the definition of, of uh, like, like what you just said, uh, it's, it doesn't seem like a very straightforward task because uh, a product marketer is, is uh, somebody who also has to like, ensure that there is no bias one because there's a lot of bias from the product uh, product uh, engineering side right where uh, i mean they're like this is the technology we have used and and this is how we've built it etc and these are the features and and if you look at it from the audience's perspective a lot of times they don't give a damn right they they don't care uh, what you built or how you built uh, what they care about is how it's going to make their life easy uh, so it is it's very important for you to like uh, not have that bias and and talk the language of the consumer. How do you do that really well? 
Uh, the biggest part, and this is where it was nice to know my background in research actually uh, helped. Uh, the biggest part is actually going where your customers are. And so a lot of times people say do research, but I think you have to break that down and say, well, okay, what does that actually mean? It's one thing to go to analyst reports or look at what competitors are doing in the space and say, well, I want to do something similar but different. Um, it's another thing to say, you know what, who are the people that are actually going to use this? What does their day-to-day -day life look like even without my technology? Like, how are they like, for example, exactly, we sell incentive compensation software. Does a company need to have incentive compensation software? It really depends. How are they currently operating? What are they doing in this space? What else is plugging into this? What's the full scope of their role? You really want to make sure that you are actually sitting in the shoes of your customer and their world. So they have to do this and aim for what? Why are they even trying to do this? Is it just for a job to get a paycheck? No, a lot of us, when you get to a certain point, you're doing it because you're trying to make that company better. You're trying to grow as a person. So if you understand their desires and ambitions and the pains that they're going through, then you can better yeah. speak to why should they even care about this piece of technology and how it's going to plug into their current day. I think the main thing as a product marketer that you're always trying to do is it's not, let's say, blow up everything. It's not like, oh, it's disruption and you have to completely change everything. The best thing to do is say, how can you be very sort of modular in your approach? What are the marginal changes? So let's go with what's known to you. So there's some comfort level. And then here's a few things you could add on that's going to be this much more better in how you actually perceive what your work is and how you perceive throughout your environment at work as well. Correct. Uh, and, and I mean... Because I, I also share that kind of a background in incentive compensation, I understand that uh, although you are in, in the B2B SaaS uh, uh, like category, uh, I, I still feel it's, it's not such a widely, uh, uh, like it's not such a large number of people that might uh, be using an IC uh, software, right? I mean, a lot, like, like I think a lot of SaaS, uh, like IC happens on, on Google Sheets. Or, mm -hmm. or rather even spreadsheets which are offline. Uh, I think it's, it's very important for uh, a marketer on, on a uh, company like uh, exactly to understand what that audience is and what, what kind of language you have to speak to them in order to like sort of uh, communicate all your value props uh, like to them. Uh, and, and I mean, if, if you look at it, uh, they're all Excel sheets. They're, I mean, boring to look at. Uh, so it, it's very difficult to sort of, I mean, engage somebody who's used to looking at uh, Excel sheets and and uh, uh, like Microsoft PowerPoint presentations uh, all day along. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're throwing them another ad which has the same sort of a messaging. It becomes very difficult uh, for someone to like uh, grab that attention of that intended customer. So it, it, I mean, a lot of times you need to sort of take a step back uh, try and understand what is that other way. Stop taking yourself seriously first. And, and what is that other way that you can communicate your particular product uh, or your story to them, right? And I think Exactly has done a very good job at this. Uh, and I have a couple of videos that I'd like to play uh, to, to sort of demonstrate how Exactly has not taken, it, taken themselves very seriously and at the same time done a very good job to communicate what they do. So uh, the first video I'd like to play is uh, called It's Not Difficult. It's a great campaign. There's a 30-second video. I'd like to play that book. What's better, a commission or a bonus? Bonus. Why a bonus? Because you get more of it. More than what? 
if I, I could buy a time machine and still have money left over to go into 2560. It's not difficult. Bonuses buy time machines. Very, very sweet video, first of all. Uh, how do you, what do you make of this? Like, uh, what, uh, what is the mindset of a guy who commissions a video like this? Again, uh, kids and and incentive compensation. I think they apart poles apart. They have nothing to do with each other. But how beautifully you have connected uh, what a bonus could do and 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 the desires of a kid and and just beautifully blended that in the message of the brand. I think the biggest thing, I could go back to this idea of a product marketer and one of your roles. I think the biggest part of your role is really leveraging analogies and metaphors. And so, and you do that because you're again trying to reference something that people are already comfortable with, what they already know. And so, to have that analogy between, well, how does a child perceive this idea of bonuses calculations versus yourself? It goes back to the piece of at the core, we're all human. We all have certain desires that are driving us. And part of it is that idea of what could I potentially acquire through the income that I get. And so to be able to break it down in that simple form, one, it's fun. I think the best part about video and, and this idea about being mad over videos is that you're able to humanize the story. You're able to now try to engage, build empathy, interest, be memorable. Um, this is the whole reason if we think about how many decades have gone by where you have TV commercials, why did they have such a big impact? It was because the story came together with a really good visual and uh, and sort of storyline that really made it easy for that audience to capture. And then the whole idea in doing a video like that is for it to be sticky. Like even the music that plays becomes a little bit yeah. sticky. The idea of, oh, wait a minute, it's this idea of easy bonus calculations. All of that just makes it easier for the person to replay in their mind what they just saw versus it just yeah. being something they read in an article or read on a piece of uh, a white paper, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Again, uh, I think another point that I came across uh, from your experiences is your expertise in positioning brands really well. And, and, and along with that, coupling it with the uh, entire uh, aspect of a global go-to-market strategy. I think it's very important that you put the right perception out there uh, for, for everybody to uh, take notice, one, and then relate to the brand because uh, people are going to buy from you only and if only they relate to your brand, right? Uh, if if you uh, act like a snob uh, who has a corner office and 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 uh, send out a message that, hey, here's something amazing that we've built. And if uh, the person who's watching uh, on the other side does not really believe in that story, uh, it's it, it goes down the drain. Uh, please tell me what it takes to uh, sort of position your brand really well uh, globally and and in a domain like that you operate in uh, and and what are the things that you think can go wrong right I mean it's very easy to uh, say that these are the things that you could do to get it right but then what are the things that could go wrong and and what are the things that you need to keep in mind 
I think the the biggest thing that you have to take into account is that you can't do a peanut butter spread. You can't say, well, the story that I'm telling here for the company in the U.S., I can tell everywhere else. And you really have to tap into local expertise. So for exactly in terms of going global, then it became a priority to make sure that not only from a sales and infrastructure standpoint, we had what we needed in different markets, but even from a marketing standpoint, you have someone that has sort of the cultural, linguistic all those different pieces that are going to inform how another person might perceive what you're doing. And so to have that, for example, exactly we're in EMEA, we're in APAC as well. You want to make sure that you have people within the marketing space that have that expertise. What's interesting, and this goes back to one of your questions on that translation between product and demand gen, is that from a product marketing standpoint, your role becomes so integral because it innately becomes a role that's going to be global once your company is being expanded globally. And the way that you expand when it comes to then the marketing that you're doing externally is leveraging more the demand gen. So that growth marketing team, you want them to have the local context, but you want them to pull from a central source, which is your product marketer, in terms of what is this product? What's the story around this product? How can we speak about this product? And in that interface, it is a two-way communication. That product marketer can then communicate, well, here are the key things. And then that growth marketer can say, well, you know what? We're going to tweak language a little bit in this way or that way based on the localized context. But that becomes really integral is that partnership that you're having. And how does it go wrong? Uh, it's kind of the flip side of that coin, right? It goes wrong if you don't have that. If you're trying to say, well, everything that I do here in the U.S., I can do anywhere else. And then you start to shoot yourself in the foot. Uh, a, a small story, and it's not on the tech side, it's on the retail side, is I'm actually based in Canada. Um, and sometimes there's the mistake of American companies feeling like they can do exactly what they did in America and Canada. We do share a similar language, we're on the same continent. Um, but I've seen time and time again, um, and a retailer uh, did this, and I'll, I'll leave them nameless, they know who they are, uh, came to Canada they had a big splash in having a number of different locations, thought they were going to do fantastic. And I think it was 18 months, they had to completely shut down their operations. And you can Google that to find that retailer. But it's that idea of not acknowledging that there is going to be nuance and you can't take it for granted. Correct. I think I think a lot of cultural references that uh, are, I mean, they, that hold true in one region, do not uh, in some other region, sometimes a particular uh, like gesture could be something, it could be a choice of words. Uh, again, uh, I mean, there, there are a lot of times, I, I've seen a, a particular example that comes to my mind is uh, an ad that did pretty well in some of the first world nations uh, where uh, kids were uh, playing around with their breakfast and, and the mother is struggling to uh, like get them uh, all together. And, and it faced a massive backlash in, in uh, African countries, et cetera, mm -hmm. where uh, a mother actually struggles to put breakfast on the tables uh, of, of kids. And it's, it's not such a great thing to uh, sort of disrespect food. Uh, again, uh, something that can actually go wrong uh, when, when you're talking about multiple geographies, it's very important that you empathize and, and you understand what holds true in those geographies before mm -hmm. communicating a solid point that you just brought out uh, again and also about uh, when you when you do this and when you're entering a new uh, geography or when you are putting yourself out uh, uh, in front of everybody it's very important that uh, a lot of brands they, they take themselves way too seriously uh, and, and end up 
like be- becoming the boring brand rather uh, i feel uh, one of one such video that uh, y'all actually put out uh, was all about uh, i i think i think y'all did a video where uh, the the mascot of exactly uh, was featured again and uh, and and it, it's shown that okay we're going to uh, it's called pota right for people who don't know and and pota is sent out to the space and they put that uh, particular uh, 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 this mascot on a hot air balloon and release it into actual space and 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 just saying that okay uh, that, that conversation that is shown between an executive at uh, exact exactly and the uh, model of of the uh, mascot it's i mean it it just humanizes the brand in a way uh, which goes beyond spreadsheets and 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 technology etc and 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 shares like a very genuine story with with the people intended like i i don't know who who are the people behind creating these videos do you do you do your videos in house do you have an agency do you work with freelancers how how does exactly or or videos are exactly produced Uh, I would say all of the above. So a, a couple of comments there. So Quota was our old uh, mascot. So we no longer use Quota as our mascot, but that goes back to that importance of research. And so we did a lot of work. And so product marketing also works very closely with the brand team. That's an important relationship to make sure that the brand is being informed by the core capacity and capabilities of what are the products. and platform that you're selling and through the work and recognizing the growth story of exactly we moved away from quota but we didn't want to move away from the fun and so one of the, the biggest things was saying okay well we're not going to necessarily have this logo but we're definitely going to try to infuse all of the work that we do at exactly with fun with bright colors with interesting videos uh, to make it light and easy um, and then in terms of who actually does our videos we do work with an agency for a lot of your more like structured product type videos where you're introducing uh, maybe a new feature or a new type of um, capability that's available if we're doing um, maybe more relaxed fun videos then it really is just up to someone in house we have our creative team they're uh, quite um uh, sort of creative in terms of thinking about how do they leverage different mediums to make videos we actually have someone on our solution consulting team he's really great at making videos so internally we have fun i always say that we should probably share some of our internal videos we have a lot of fun creating internal videos just to kind of build up a morale and culture and we will have competitions between the different teams like what's the marketing video versus the sales video etc and then sometimes the ideas that come from that can be turned into something uh, afterwards or it uh, just leveraging uh, existing technologies i, I did a, a linkedin live Uh, I want to say now under a month ago and everything you know with covid and I have two girls at home like a lot of people who have kids at home while I was doing the LinkedIn live my 4-year-old decided to walk in and was dancing around etc but it honestly was more on brand so even though it wasn't planned 
<laughs> it worked out uh, really well. And, and all of that helps in terms of making sure that the process is as democratic as possible and you have a lot of different people being able to contribute to the creative process. I don't think it needs to be housed in a box and say only marketing does this. You have a lot of great special people within corporations that are sitting in different departments who are also even closer maybe to issues. We have people on the customer success team that know a lot about what our customers are facing, experiencing, what types of things appeal to them that could also help to influence what type of messages we put out there. Right. I, I actually ended up watching that video for, I mean, quite some duration. I think I enjoyed, I mean, <laughs> hearing and listening to what you're saying, but then I was quite enjoying what she was doing in the background. It's <laughs> the human element, right? I mean, we are, all are humans. We know, uh, I mean, these times people work from home and it's, it's not always perfect. It's not going to be picture perfect. It's not going to be like uh, sitting in a studio and doing it. Uh, I'm, I'm filming this from my bedroom. You are doing it from your home. Again, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, people understand this and, and that's what puts, I mean, the, the candid nature of these videos actually help uh, like connect first of all with the person and then uh, also I think I think it's it's very become very convenient. Uh, like people are more open to consuming videos without uh, high production and things like that. I mean, uh, every time a brand would actually think of putting out a video, they would be very uh, like they would be very careful on what camera this is shot or what are the lights and and what's the set like, etc. I mean, all those things have become. Uh, I mean, I mean, have eased. Uh, people people are more open to trying out. They take out their mobile phones and and shoot a video and then upload something. Uh, a lot of your videos again uh, I, I've seen on on the YouTube channel uh, vary in production uh, quality uh, and and it's no longer a barrier to like it's no longer an entry barrier to like sort of shoot something in high production to ensure that your message is put across correctly. So I think uh, that's one thing. And the second thing I'd like to point out is having a very good uh, in-house team uh, or, or uh, people on your uh, team, whether it is in marketing, whether it's from product, whether it's from sales, uh, just the ability to put themselves out, being vulnerable, being candid on camera, yeah. whether or not you're comfortable is very important because sometimes it, it's genuine. If, if I have built a product, I will put out the right story or, or I, if I am the salesperson and I am uh, recording a video and sending it to the customer, uh, it's going to be so much more powerful than me putting a model there and, and asking them to deliver the same message. I think that is something I really appreciate and you guys have been doing that really well. No, there's video can be used in so many ways and it's so powerful. It's, it's one of the reasons I think the company Vidyard does really well in terms of how do you incorporate video now into your sales cycle. And we leverage that at exactly as well, because there's something to be said about uh, whatever you're trying to convey coming from a person and really seeing their mannerisms, their passion behind it. There's so much happening. They say a picture has a thousand words. Imagine a video and all the other uh, subtext and other storylines that are happening besides what you just say, right? Like when people see you on video, they're now putting on you their perceptions of like, oh, what's this person like if I were to hang out with them? What does this person actually um, do? And uh, it gives a sense of like personality and a sense of comfort and, and connection. And so now 
uh, it's that one step away of like, oh, when I do meet them in person, there's already this familiarity of, oh, I kind of already like this person, like the way they carry themselves. I, I think that the biggest thing, um, and I think you need a balance for a corporation and a B2B side, you definitely need, need a balance of your buttoned up, really structured videos because we have different audiences, right? Not everybody is ready for the more relaxed, uh, fun videos, but um by being able to have more of those off the cuff videos just makes it that much more engaging and makes people kind of want to take a look to see like, oh, what are they doing over there? Uh, one thing you mentioned at the top of the call was I own Kids Swag. And so Kids Swag is on the B2C side. And that's an e-commerce store that's focused on children and, and celebrating diversity. With that, because you're on the B2C side, and I feel that's where um, there's a lot more comfort in doing videos and B2B is catching up. Doing videos, whether it's an Instagram live or Facebook live, or even just recording a video and throwing it up has become such commonplace that people are now come to expect it. And so it's part of building your brand is to show who is the founder behind this brand or who are the customers that are engaging with this brand. I feel on the B2B side, we're starting to see that more and more where there's this recognition that B2B buying is just as emotional as B2C buying, right? If anything, it's even more. I remember coming across um, a person that said it's actually more emotional because you're impacting people's jobs, like the, the trajectory of their career. And so them making the wrong decision in what technology to take on could have an complete impact on whether they move up in their organization. So the idea of being able to appeal to that person goes back to really the olden days of the salesperson that went from one house to the other or was, you know, driving around. It's that idea of let's try to make that real connection, build a relationship and video help do that to make it that much easier to inform a person and make a decision. So they're like, you know what? If I look at these two companies, they both kind of check the same boxes, but I like this company more because of X, Y, Z, and it's probably going to be more than all the different technical aspects of your business. Yes. I, I think, like you said, I, I was uh, swiping through the Instagram page of Kidswag and I, I found all these colorful posts and videos and things like that. And and I think the point that you just brought up is such, such a valid point uh, that most people, uh, I mean, I think they, they undervalue uh, the using uh, using engaging content uh, for B2B, uh, especially in video uh, and, and putting out, like you said, the stories of customers. I think uh, that brings me to the point that exactly actually has been doing this pretty well uh, because exactly has customers all across the globe. And uh, I think a bunch of videos on the channel uh, talk about how exactly is helping them succeed and not about the product. I think... Uh, what what better could you do if you put out uh, a, a, a customer's uh, point of view out there where they say that, okay, I, I did this, this, this thing so well, and that was made possible by the software that uh, exactly built, right? And and nothing better than somebody else recommending you or, or somebody else talking really good things about you because it's very difficult to believe when you uh, like praise yourself but if somebody else does that it's, it's always better i'd like to play one short video uh, sure. uh, from one of your customers uh, uh, at western union and such an interesting end to it i'd like to play this first before we talk about it my name is mary helen duriff i work at western union i'm the senior manager in charge of global sales compensation for us as a sales compensation team 
Um, if we look at where we want to be in two, three, five years, it's, we really want to be more than just a trusted partner to sales. We really want to be a strategic partner to sales. Um, when my sales leaders come to me and they say, you know what, what you just created is helping us drive the future. It's helping us achieve long-term goals. We know we've hit the mark. Yes, I am amazing. I have exactly, of course I'm amazing. Like, I, I just love the way the video ends. I, 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 I'm in love with the ending of that video. <laughs> just saying that hey, I'm amazing because exactly, I, I have exactly, I think, uh, I, I don't think uh, it looks forced. It, it, it is so beautifully come out in that video where somebody else says it and uh, it just puts the brand in such great light. And that's the, the biggest thing. It's, and this is why product marketing works so closely with brand. Uh, it, it's the biggest piece of making sure that people are at the core of the story that you're telling. And it's not just your own people, it's your customers. And what's the impact of having besides look at this tool and the modular benefit I had because this particular new feature came out. And that's the reason why product marketing has to kind of be the translator because there's always going to be new features that you add on. And there's always going to be this push in terms of what is the next milestone and whatever roadmap you have for the products you're developing. But you need to be able to step back. And it's hard for a product manager to step back when they're trying to drive the ship and building the product. But you need someone that's going to step back and say, well, how does this fit into the bigger scope of what our target audience is trying to do? How does this necessarily change the game or better enhance whatever goals they're going after? And so it's always important to try to up-level that messaging. You need to have different tiers of messaging, but when you think about the sort of broader stories, the brand stories, it has to be something that's more than all the individual features and, and what they do. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, you've spoken a lot about your experience in B2B and how are you translating those learnings that you've uh, taken out of all your uh, previous roles and the current one at exactly and how are you uh, implementing them in marketing your own brand that is Kit Swag? Uh, I'd like to, because a lot of people here who might be watching the podcast uh, uh, would be from the B2B domain, but I, I'm pretty sure there would be someone out there who's, who's uh, possibly running a B2B, B2C brand or might want to, uh, I, I think, come up with a brand in the future and, and I think could take some inspiration and a page from your book. Uh, I think uh, if you could just walk me through, uh, first of all, what made you uh, come up with this and then what are the learnings that you're actually using in, uh, in, in this journey? For sure. Um, so Kid Swag is from the heart. I, I have two girls. Um, and when I was pregnant with the first and went through the experience of wanting to build her book collection and just buy little toys, etc., it was very hard to find products that actually represented Black culture and were fun and light and easy. And through a number of different sources online, friends, family, I started finding products. And then I would come across other moms and they would ask, where did I get these items? And I would share and they would always be so surprised and grateful. And so when I was uh, pregnant, or not pregnant, when I was on mat leave with the second one is when I started the company. I recognized that there was a need. And 
especially with my background in marketing and acknowledging the importance of visuals and even in my own life growing up and the importance of visuals and seeing yourself or seeing other people that look like you hold positions or be in different atmospheres that you may not necessarily have thought you could be in has such an impact on your ability to want to grow and develop. And so I knew it was going to be vitally important for my girls to see themselves as hockey players or astronauts or whatever they wanted to be and not feel just because of the color of their skin that they couldn't do it or there was only one way to get there. So the impact of just generally being in marketing helped me even think about the importance of the business. The other piece then is the background on research and analytics. And so in setting up the company and building out the business, one of the things I was a strong proponent of and, and still look at to today. So I use a platform called Shopify. I think everybody knows Shopify, great Canadian uh, success story in terms of a retail e-commerce store. So the company is based on that platform and the analytics I'm able to pull from Shopify as well as all the integrations that they have with other applications. Really, I prioritized that and knew that was important because of my background on B2B. And then if you flip it around in terms of, well, what's the impact of being in the B2C space and bringing that into B2B, it was really that idea of acknowledging that integrations are just important in B2B. When customers are looking for new products that they are going to buy, they're not looking at it in a vacuum of, oh, I'm going to buy exactly and have it operate on its own. It needs to seamlessly integrate with what we're doing as an organization, not just what's happening in my department. The other piece is the biggest part is community and customers. And so being in the B2C world, I think it comes very naturally to acknowledge and recognize that you have to build community. Brand and community go hand in hand in B2C. And then this idea of how do you make sure that the customer story is always front and center and you're not just ringing your own bell and there's other people that are galvanized around you deeply influences now how I think about B2B marketing and, and how we can think about different ways to kind of disrupt a space that's been kind of tracking along uh, the same way for quite a while. And so that it give, brings some innovation. And I don't even know if I would call it innovation, but some alteration to, uh, to the B2B world that I think is necessary. And just those small changes, because they haven't been applied as well in the B2B side, people start to take notice. And that's what you're always trying to do. You're trying to capture people's attention and get them to take notice. I'm, I'm glad you brought out the point of community. I think selling becomes so much easier if you have a community around your product already. And I think uh, B2C uh, brands do this pretty well. Uh, I, I know that you're building an amazing community for uh, Kids Swag and, and uh, it's, it's a close uh, uh, community. I know, I know that uh, you would have a lot of people, the kind of brand love that you get from uh, this is going to be so tightly bound and, and so easy to get this word of mouth out uh, among among parents that uh, say for example uh, find your product really useful it's very easy then to like get the good word out and then you have a lot of reference coming in and it becomes so much easier but a lot of b2b guys uh, uh, i mean struggle at doing that i think i think they don't they sort of undermine the value of uh, building a community whether it's around a saas product uh, very important like like you said uh, i think i think there are a bunch of people uh, in uh, say for example the if you if you take uh, the community that could be built around uh, incentive compensation and quota setting uh, professionals uh, i mean a lot of them or or rather any company that would be uh, like running sales teams based on quotas uh, i mean would have all their sales force would be like uh, 
someone who could be a part of this community and i think uh, not many efforts are done in that because the the main power that comes out of this community and especially for b2c brands is the user generated content now for example if kids swag uh, a customer uses a product and and creates a video with their kids using that product it becomes such a powerful uh, marketing asset for the brand uh, a lot of times i think uh, b2b brands miss out on that what do you think uh, or how important it is for for a brand uh, to to do that and then what what does it take to convince the uh, decision makers to take the right step in this direction uh, so i'll answer the first part cuz that's easier the second part is how do you get decision makers uh it, that's all sort of internal politics and and trying to like pull the ship behind you uh when you have uh, different ideas uh in terms of doing that but i can speak to that as well um but the the biggest part in terms of community and, and what i like what you said in terms of their professionals that are interested in consent of compensation and in quota i look at other professional organizations right like if you look at it, there's lawyers there's accountants uh what i really like there's an organization called the product marketing alliance of course i'm a proud product marketer and so to see an organization that was developed around my uh industry was something that i immediately uh went to and so i think it's so important and that's an opportunity uh that any company can take advantage of you don't have to wait for some external organization to build it you can build it and so you can build an environment in our case we're going after sales operation professionals you can create an environment that doesn't feel salesy and feel like oh we're selling product it can feel like oh this is a resource and that's what you do on the consumer side one of the biggest products that we sell in kit swag is swim caps and they're called swimmer caps and they're swim caps made especially for large volume hair as you can see this hair does not fit under a standard swim cap it's the top selling product that we have in our store what did i do i built community around that i actually have a facebook group and i think facebook groups are underrated on the b2c side i make majority of my sales through facebook groups um but i have a facebook group that's just focused on um black women swimming because what did they need they needed a community and support group that wasn't just about buy swim caps they needed a community and support group because again research is so important like near and dear to my heart when you look at the numbers and the stats it's astonishing how many black women do not know how to swim And so why do they not know how to swim? Let's tease it. Let's tease it out. Let's try to figure out what are the barriers that are stopping them from swimming and then let's make sure they have the support in place to get to the point where they're swimming. Now you're actually adding purpose and mission to what you're doing and it's not just buy a swim cap. It's now buy a swim cap in support and effort of you now building a more healthy lifestyle and you being part of a community of other women who are going to encourage a greater generation to be swimmers on into the future. So it's so important when you start to build community because it adds purpose and mission it makes it more uh, sticky you add more connection and so then when you are adding any new product lines now if i were to throw out a swim uh, goggles or or swim suits it doesn't feel like all oh, this person is selling to me it feels like oh this person is adding value to a lifestyle that i'm trying to adopt same thing for sales operation professionals if you now came out with a new product that's an easy test field you can say you know what we're coming out with this new thing we're not too sure if this feature really makes sense well why don't we throw it into this group and get a bunch of people that are going to be beta testers for this before we even go live and now when you do go live you have a, a ready set source of user generated content so these people can now come out and say yep yeah, that product is great it adds so much power when you see comments under different posts versus just the post 
And you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to look at that. And you need to be nudged a couple of times and somebody else tells you about it. And you're like, oh, maybe I should probably look at it now. So that's the important piece of community. It becomes so much, it's basically your digital version of word of mouth. It becomes so much easier for people to want to actually try what you're selling. Yeah. Interesting that you brought out Product Marketing Alliance. Uh, I'd like mm-hmm. to give a shout out to Richard, Richard King. Uh, yes. Would you like to elaborate on on how uh, he's built this community if, if uh, you've been a part of this for a long time and and also if there are other marketers that you really uh, feel uh, deserve a shout out please go ahead this is the right time we'd like to like, <laughs> appreciate uh, the great work that they're doing and i hope uh, they're listening if not we'll ensure that we send this clip out to them so that they they do uh, see the appreciation coming and all the love coming no, for sure. Uh, so definitely uh, Richard King and Barony Pierce, who are on Product Marketing Alliance, because that organization has been phenomenal on a number of reasons, not only externally, what you see them do on LinkedIn and how they're actually building the uh, platform for product marketers and building um, the uh, recognition of the value of product marketing, but even they have a Slack channel. And to be able to engage and interact with other product marketers to learn, to throw questions in there and get responses is phenomenal. Definitely have to do a shout out to Dave Gerdehart. I might be pronouncing his name wrong, so I apologize, but he's the CMO of Privy. He used to work at Drift and just wherever he goes, fantastic marketing. I learned so much from everything that he produces. Uh, Andy Raskin is another one and he talks about this idea of narrative design. I'm really big on storytelling. Once you do all that research, you now need to put it into something. And so having that as a framework, I think is so important. And then I definitely have to shout out a Canadian. So I will shout out a April Dunford. She is fantastic when you think about positioning and telling your story. Uh, that is her core competency and she does it seamlessly and, and very well. Awesome. Thank you so much. I think I think we will ensure that these people hear the love that you sent and, and they get it uh, by the time we are done with this uh, episode. And, uh, and thank you. First of all, thank you so much to uh, have taken time out uh, on, on, on a on Wednesday, like mid of the week, and and I'm I'm sure we're uh, it's it's what lunch time there. Uh, I'm I'm sort of interrupting your lunch time right now. Uh, again, it's 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 sort of post dinner time here in India. Uh, again, uh, we've we've we see the hustle and we see the reason why we're doing this is all that we feel the kind of passion behind uh, the work that we do. One and and the common bond of why we feel video is so important uh, uh, in, in our armor in, when it comes to like uh, all the skills that we have in terms of marketing, right? I think it's very important that we look at this and uh, thank you so much, first of all, like uh, like for taking time out. That, that's, that's all I want to say. No, thank you, Pranav. I appreciate you having me. I, I love the questions. And for anybody, if you want to reach out, that's what Pranav did. Feel free. Uh, send me uh, a LinkedIn message and I'm, I'm open to connecting with you. I will do that. Thank you so much. I'll take you up on that offer. And uh, with that, I think we come to the end of this 15th episode of Mad Over Videos, the movie podcast by Gutch. We hope to bring you a new guest very soon. And... Uh, Till then, I think stay tuned. We'll be set, uh, putting out a lot of content from this podcast as well when it comes to like the great quotes and the stories that we've shared uh, and, and a lot of uh, learning points that uh, have come out from this conversation. So please stay tuned to that and uh, see you.